Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. So we have reached episode 8, the 26th of Kislev, second day of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah once again. Uh, And so here we go. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 of the book. Um, In this episode, we we actually covered the entirety of chapter 2. And those of you who listened to yesterday's episode, you know that we started talking about the breakdown of the Jewish soul. And in talking about the breakdown of the Jewish soul, we actually said that we actually don't just have one soul, we have two (laughs) souls, which is maybe why often you feel kind of conflicted in life. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's really because you have two souls inside of you that, as we'll see later on, uh, what, as we get deeper into this work, are really at war with one another. So we, we are by nature not the most holistic of beings. Um, so in yesterday's portion, we talked about one of our souls, which we call, sometimes it's referred to as the vital soul, the animal soul, the animating soul. This is the soul that allows for the life force to flow through your body and what keeps you alive in a very basic way. Today, we're going to talk about the other soul that you have. Uh, so the second soul that a Jew has is what's called, uh, called the godly soul. And so the altar Rabbi starts off and he says that this soul, this second soul that we talk about is actually a part of God himself. And how is it that it is a part of God himself? It's, it emerged from God's breath. So if those of you that are familiar with the Bible, you know that, you know, when it talks about God breathing in his, this taking from his breath and breathing the soul into man. So this is what was unique actually about the creation of man. This is, we're going to talk about this actually later on in Tanya in a little bit more in depth, but just to mention it now, when God created the world, we know that the way he created everything in the world was through his power of speech. However, there was one exception to that. And that was in the creation of man where he said, it says that God breathed this, uh, uh, his life force. He breathed his soul into man. And those of you that have ever done any breath work might be especially familiar with this, but even if you're not, this is just kind of a fact of life. When you breathe your out breath, like when you exhale, you're actually breathing from the inner part of who you are. This is the inner vitality of yourself is going outwards. So in God creating man through his breath, this was an expression of the essence of God. So this breath of God is the origin of our godly souls. So each one of us as Jews has within ourselves a part of actual God. And we're going to understand what that means and the profundity and and the implications of that as we go through this book. 
So yeah, so when basically just like when a person exhales with intention, like when you really, really, you know, let's say if you're blowing up a balloon or something like that, you're pulling from your inner essence and it takes a lot of exertion because of that, you know? And so now the ultra brings up another idea with this is that just as thought, just as breath comes from the essence of a person, so do two other things. So does the thought of a person. So when a person thinks, this is sort of like the essence of them, or at least we can say, you know, a very deep part of a, of a person when they think. And the other thing is really, you know, on a very, very deep um, physiological level, the essence and origin of a person is actually, you know, where do people originate from? It's from their original parents their, in their conception from the sperm of the father and being fertilized in the egg of the mother. So really the essence of all life is in this initial seed that comes from the father. And according to Kabbalistic thought, and it's also found in the Gemara, I don't know if this is backed up by modern day scientific understanding. So I don't, I, I, if anybody knows, you can please let me know either way. But so I don't know if this is meant to be taken on a physiological level or if it's just a spiritual level, but there's this idea that's brought up that the semen of the father from which the life force of a person originates actually originates in the minds of the father in the thoughts of the father so that the father's thoughts somehow get constricted and essentialized into this drop of semen, which eventually becomes a person. So what that basically means is that, you know, when a person is born, they contain, contain within them, them, their parents, the essence of their parents. And especially here, it's, it's, uh, it's focusing primarily on the father because of, you know, because of that drop of, of semen that he comes from. And so what, the ultra Rebbe here is saying is he's likening this to God creating the Jews and the, the Jewish souls. And he says that similarly, it's a similar kind of, and, and one kind of, you know, maybe a little, not tangent exactly, but maybe ex explanatory note that I should mention here, anthropomorphizing God. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, God's thoughts and, you know, God's hands and, you know, things like that, there's a common understanding of that. The reason why we, and the Tanya again, does talk about the subject a little bit later on, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit now because I think it's relevant is, um, when the Tanya talks about different talks about God in human terms like this, the common understanding or the oh, the way that we usually understand this is that, oh, this is all just very me metaphorical and God is like so beyond our understanding. And so the only way that we're able to understand him is in human terms. And so because of that, we use these human terms to describe God, but you should not think that they're at all in any way actually relating to God in a certain way. So that's one way of understanding it, but on a Kabbalistic um deeper way of understanding it is actually kind of in reverse and it's the anthropomorphization if I pronounce that correctly long word um of of God but rather the kind of deification of man in a way like we know that man was created in the image of God that talks about that in the bible and so a, a kind of deeper way of understanding it is that when we talk about God's breath God's thought God's kindness, all that stuff, it's not so much that we're talking about these things because it's a mirror of man, but it's more like a way of thinking of it is our breath, our thoughts, our hands, our kindness, all of these different things are mere reflections and very dull reflections at that of these 
things within God, these um, character traits within God. So I thought that's an interesting thing to mention here, especially in light of what we're talking about. So when we're talking about going back to the subject at hand, that we're talking about how the origin of a person originates from their father's sperm and the origination of that sperm comes from the father's thoughts. So now we're relating that to God and how God created man and specifically God in creating the souls of Jews. And it's saying here that God, the creation of the, of the Jewish souls is rooted within God's wisdom, just like, just as a person is rooted within their father's wisdom and their father's thought. And And so now to continue with this logic around this subject, we know that there's a teaching of the Rambam where he says that God is the knowledge, the knower and the known. So meaning that unlike a person where it's like, you know, you are a person and you know certain things and that thing that you know is outside of you and somebody else can know you, but that's going to be somebody from the outside within God. It's all in one and the same. So where I mentioned previously that, you know, a person's thoughts is kind of like the essence of them, or at least a very deep part of them. It's like, it's, it's, it's not really accurate to say that a person's thoughts are their essence. A person has thoughts, you know, and it might be a very, very deep part of who we are is what we think about in our minds, but we can't really say that it is our essence versus in relation, you know, we think about things all the time that are outside of ourselves. We think about things that really have no actual relation to us that are things that are in the totally outside of who we are. However, by contrast, God, God's thoughts are different than our thoughts in that way, that everything is God. There is nothing devoid of him. There is nothing outside of him. So when God thinks about things, these thoughts are one with who he is. So by extension, going back to this whole topic that we're talking about, about the godly soul, if we say and go back and we say that the origin of the godly soul is in God's thoughts, so that means that the origin of the godly soul is in the essence of God himself. So just a little note that the Altar Rabbit inserts here to, for you know sake of technicality and being really detail-oriented, he does, where he mentioned, where he talks about this idea of the Rambam calling God the knowledge, the knower, and the known, the Rambam also continues on and he says, but yet this is a knowledge. We, we, we can't really understand this concept. You know, this is a very deep idea of God being these three things. And then the Alter Rebbe gives a little like brackets here where he talks about how in Kabbalah, specifically within the Ramak and the Arizal, they say that while they agree with the Rambam's premise about God being the knowledge, the, know- the knower and the known, they say that this is only like this whole idea of equating God with knowledge and with being known and with this whole realm of like, you know, intellect, so to speak, is actually only true on a certain level, which is on a level that's below Atsilas for those of you that are familiar with the terms. I don't want to get too into it right now, but basically what what you need to understand about that is just that, you know, this level of equating God with knowledge and with wisdom and him and his wisdom are one and the same. This is only true on a certain level of God. There's another level and a higher level of God, which is actually beyond intellect entirely. And on that level, it's like we can't even talk about wisdom and knowing and knowledge and all that stuff. It's it's totally beyond all of that. So it's a little bit of a side note, but it's I, I figured I would include it because the Alter Rebbe does include it here. So I put it in. But so now back to the topic at hand. So now we're talking, we're discussing this idea of how, yeah, so God actually, through his breath, he put his essence into every single Jewish soul in the form of a godly soul. And... 
and and this manifests as his wisdom because we arose in his thought and he he translated that into bringing his himself into us so now the ultra but talks gets into this a little bit deeper and he says that there are many different levels of souls so he says for example you know we have the souls of our forefathers of what we call the avos like avraham yitzchak and yaakov and we have the souls of moshe rabbeinu and he says about how these souls are incomparably higher to those of our generation to such an extent that the souls of our generation are considered to be the heels as compared to the head of these other souls. And so too, in every generation, are there different levels of souls? So it's not just a question of like generationally, the souls of previous generations were higher than the generations now. Within every generation, there are different levels of souls. There are certain souls who are considered to be the heads of the thousands of Israel, who, you know, these are the leaders of the generations, and they're considered to be the head and the brain in comparison to the soul. Okay, and not only that, we know uh, we're going to be learning a little bit later on in Tanya again about the different, how the soul is actually made up of different parts. There's, in brief, there's the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama, very um, loosely translated as kind of like the uh, the animation like the, the vitality, I guess, would be the nefesh. Then there's the ruach, which is the spirit. And then there's the neshama, which is the soul. These might sound like synonymous kind of <laughs> words, but we'll learn how they're actually very different. And they're all different compartments of the soul. And uh, the Alter Rebbe says here that each one of, every soul is made up of these different components. But again, within different individuals, these different components are at different levels. So there's multiple a multiplicity of levels within different Jew, amongst Jews in terms of their souls. That's the point that he's bringing up here. But what we need to understand about all this is that if if we're talking about if if we're giving like a an imagery of different people's souls of a body, like we're saying that the heads of the generation are like the leaders of the generation or the brain of the generation and everybody else is the heels of the generation. So he's saying if we extend this metaphor further, um, so too, just like in a body, you know, whether we're talking about the brain of the body or whether we're talking about his toenails or his fingernails, it all comes from the same place. It all came from that original seed of the father. So it all it, it, it all is essentially this coming from the same source. So, so too with Jewish souls, regardless of level from the lowest of the low to the highest of the low, it's all coming from the same place. It's all coming from God's essence, which is a really profound thing to think of. And the ultra uh, brings uh, support to this idea in, um, from the Gemara in Nida 31. A, where it says there that the sinews and bones and nails of a person actually originate in the semen of his or her father. Once again, I don't know, you know, if this is something that is currently discussed in scientific literature um, and, you know, if it's maybe it's something that is true on a physical level and it just hasn't been uncovered yet. Maybe it has been, or maybe it's talking about it spiritually. I don't know, but that's what the Gemara says. And he also says that this explains why in the teaching of the Itzhaim in the Shar Hashmal, which is a Kabbalistic book, it talks about how primordial, how the original Adam, the first man that was in the world, his clothing was made out of this connective tissue of the fingernails and, uh, and hair kind of material. So this is really, you know, when we think about, we often can think of like fingernails, toenails as being like really secondary, like the lowest part of the body that it's just, you know, it doesn't have any feeling there. It's like dead skin or whatever. But, um, the ultra is saying here is that even those things do originate 
from the essence of of the father. So, so too, you know, again, going back to the metaphor, do the lowest of the lowest souls still originate in God? So now the altar rabbi says that this explains the teaching that it's very important and it's a very good idea to try to cleave to Torah scholars. Why? Because when we cleave to Torah scholars, so these are people who are studying God's wisdom in a very active way. So it's as if you are cleaving to God himself to what he calls the Shekhinah here, which will define what that terms mean, but it's like the indwelling of God in the world because your, because your soul, regardless of your level, once again, is sourced in God. Um, but this isn't something that's necessarily always revealed to a person, you know, in terms of like the wisdom of God, but somebody who does study God actively, like these Torah scholars, in that sense, it's a lot more revealed. So if somebody wants to connect to the origin of their soul, one way that they can do this is by actually connecting to Torah scholars. And he goes so far as to say that actually our entire life force, because it's sort of like this channel of wisdom that comes from God's wisdom that gets you know manifest into our souls, the way that this wisdom channels through and gets transmitted into our souls is through these Torah scholars that are actively engaged in studying God's wisdom. And then he inserts a little bracket here and he says, okay, what about people who actively, you know, if we're saying that like in order to connect to the, to the source of our souls and get this, this vitality very actively is one way to do that is by connecting with Torah scholars. What about people who rebel against Torah scholars? Those who are like totally anti this kind of thing and, you know, just really not into that. So he says that they too receive their nourishment, believe it or not, from Torah scholars, because everybody does, because these scholars are the ones that are transmitting the wisdom of God, um, aka the source of life, into the world. The only difference is that what the way that these rebels are receiving their vitality is in a way which is called ahoraim, which is something that we're going to discuss further on. But in brief, ahoraim, you may this may sound a little bit familiar to you when we use the term sitra ahra it comes from the same root it means from the other side so we'll talk about this more later but basically it's like there's a way of giving something to somebody in a way that's face to face that's in a very deep way that is like very direct you know looking at somebody face to face and then there's a way of giving to somebody to something to somebody in a backhanded manner like you're kind of okay whatever i owe this to you here you go take it you know and that's what's called um the ahraim from the other side it's like sort of in, in this way that they're receiving their vi vitality but not in a direct you know kind of loving way it's it's just in kind of a backsided backhanded manner, but we'll talk about that more in the future. But he does mention it here, so I thought I'd bring it. So now the Alter Rebbe brings up a really interesting thing, is he again brings up this idea that the way that the godly soul is transmitted into a person is through the father's seed. And, um, you know, this differentiates just to bring up, um, if, if you remember last time when we were talking about the animal soul, and we said that the way that the animal soul gets transmitted into us is actually through the blood of the person. So there is a difference here. But so here's when we're going back to how the origin of the godly soul comes through the father's seed. So what this means is that when a couple is intimate, this is actually a very 
intense time. And this is why it's actually taught that during uh, in Kabbalistic literature, specifically in the Zohar and the Zohar Chadash, that the main thing is that during the act of intimacy, the parents should really sanctify themselves and should be really, really careful about the thoughts that they're thinking. Why is this? Because the thoughts that that the parents have during the moment of conception are actually going to influence the garments through which the soul is brought down into the world. This is the first time we're bringing this up. This is a whole subject in its own right. And we're going to talk about it in the future for sure. It comes up in Tanya. But what the garments of the soul are in contrast to the essential nature of the soul is the garments are the vehicles by which the different mitzvahs, the different um, acts of God are performed in the world, the, the way by which we we act out God's will in the world, depending on the type of garments that a soul has. And so these soul garments are going to facilitate how well or how easy, easily or how refined in what and what level of refinement a person will have in terms of performing the various mitzvahs, which is the, the purpose of a person's purpose on earth. And so this is what a, what parents can influence in the moment of intimacy when they're inter, depending on their thoughts and depending on the intentions that they have at that time. However, what's interesting to note, and this is what the Alter Rebbe ends off here, is what a parents don't have control over is actually the essence of the soul and the level of the soul. So again, to make that distinction, there's the level of the soul and there's, you know, it's essential makeup. And then there's the garments through which it, it clothes itself in and it, it gets vested in when it comes down into the world. And so he says that this explains why it is that very often um, you can have a very, very high soul come down and be born into a very degenerate kind of person and a very lowly kind of person because the degenerate and lowly kind of person may influence the garments through which the soul is born into, but the essence of the soul comes from a higher place. And, and this isn't something that he mentions here, but it's something that is taught elsewhere, which I think is really fascinating, that this is actually why we find a lot of really interesting stories in the Bible and, um, you know, and elsewhere where sometimes very, very holy people were actually born into very weird and kind of salacious circumstances um, because it's kind of the thought process behind it is that sometimes when there's a really, really high soul that wants to come down into the world, there's a lot of resistance to that because, you know, again, God creates up the, created the world in such a way that he built in certain forces that resist him and conceal him for, you know, different reasons that we'll get into in the future. But, um, so when these forces see that there's this really, really, really high soul that's coming down into the world that wants to come down into the world, there's a lot of resistance to it. And there's a lot of feeling like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, we don't want this soul to come down into the world. And so what happens is it's actually there's like a trick that needs to happen in order for it to like, you know, sneak itself into the world. And that's often by virtue of it being born to somebody who isn't of the holy estate. And this is another reason, you know, as a side note, why converts are held in such high regard, because there's this idea that converts who convert to Judaism, it says Gerish and Iskayer, a convert who converts. And it's kind of like very weird, you know, what does that mean? A convert who converts? It, it means that they never really were non-Jewish. It means that somebody who converts to Judaism, the thought process is that they actually always had a Jewish soul, but for some reason or another, it had to be born into a non-Jewish body. And this is one explanation for that, is that perhaps this soul was so high that 
the forces of resistance would not let it come down into the world in a normal way and into a, you know, a regular Jewish family. So it had to sneak it w- its way in here by being born into a non-Jewish family to non-Jewish parents. So, uh, yeah, so that's the end of today's Tanya. So if I uh, gave a little bit of a recap, we're talking today about the second soul that we mentioned. The first soul was the vital or the animal soul. You can look at previous episodes for that. And today we talked about the other soul, the second soul, which is called the godly soul, whose origin and source comes from God's essence um, by virtue of the fact that God breathed the soul into into the body of man. And when we talk about God's essence, what we're really talking about here is God's thought process and his mind. And why is this? Because God's mind and God's thoughts are not like our thoughts, where our thoughts are something separate from us. And we think about things that are separate from who we are. For God, him and his thoughts and his knowledge and mind are all one and the same. So when God thought about creating a person and creating a Jew specifically, he is this thought is his essence and this essence got manifest into a person into their soul into their godly soul here and we liken this to um, metaphorically to the way that we understand the creation of a physical human being through its physical appearance in the form of the conception and specifically the origin of a person coming from the seed of their father and so since this is the metaphor that's used and it is a very apt metaphor this is why during the act of physical conception itself if a, if human parents want their child to be born into a soul that and a body that has the holiest and the most refined of garments so that it's best able to fulfill its mission in the world in the in the most you know easiest and smoothest way then it's then it's really important for the parents to have the right intention during their act of conception and to really try to refine themselves as much as possible to have the right kind of thoughts Um, but nevertheless um, let's say if there are parents that don't do that we often see that very holy souls are brought into the body sometimes born to parents who are not you know the holiest or the best the most moral of people and this is actually because there's the essence of the soul and then there's the garments of the soul and and they're not one and the same so you can have a very very holy soul that's and very lofty soul that's brought down into the world into not the best garments so that is that is today's tanya and tomorrow we will continue go moving on to chapter three Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.